The medical information communicated in this podcast is of a general educational nature. If you are feeling unwell, please seek the attention of a medical practitioner. Any advertisements promoted throughout the podcast are not endorsed by the presenter or any of the guests interviewed. Hi there, welcome to MediTalk, a medical podcast talking all things medical in a way that you can understand. You're with Danae. With summer fast approaching, the thought of having to take off our winter coats to wear bathers can make us feel a little self-conscious about our varicose veins. But also, varicose veins can actually cause people a lot of pain, making standing and moving extremely uncomfortable. So today on MediTalk, I speak with St John of God Hospital endovascular and vascular surgeon, Dr Stefan Ponosh, about varicose veins. Tell us about your journey as being a vascular surgeon. Yes, I'm a a vascular and endovascular surgeon, which sounds like a bit of a mouthful, but what we are are are, are specialist surgeons um, who look after veins and arteries. So we essentially look after the whole body. So um, we cover a whole uh, range of things um, from um, varicose veins, um, but also people with strokes and blocked arteries and walking pain, um, you know, arteries that have ballooned up into aneurysms, um, you know, down to even ulcers and things like that. So it really covers the whole patient. Um, and, you know, essentially we're, you know, glorified plumbers. Um, <laughs> but, uh, um, uh, and, you know, one of the benefits of what we do is that we um, have a whole range of techniques, including uh, the more traditional open techniques of re-plumbing things. But these days the, a lot of our work is done with wires and balloons and stents and uh, new techniques, which means for patients it's uh, much more minimally invasive with great um, uh, outcomes, faster recoveries and uh, really good uh, results. So when people might think about varicose veins, we might think that people only have it done for cosmetic reasons but is that the case well for most for lots of people yes um, you know veins are a real spectrum of disease and um, there's not uh, one end or, or the other end uh, essentially a large group of patients come in with with cosmetic veins and that's 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 fine um, you know in Perth with our great weather and beaches and whatnot people get worried by their legs so that's a really justifiable reason but unfortunately um, the veins are a spectrum of disease and as time goes on um, you know simple cosmetic lumps and bumps um, can in some people end up uh, with more significant and sinister outcomes uh, which we call chronic venous hypertension and that unfortunately has a, about a 10 to 20 percent lifetime risk um, and that can evolve into things like heaviness and tiredness and aching legs at the end of a long day, um, restless legs at night, which keep people awake, um, chronic swelling, which can develop. Um, and you start developing even some more sinister things like um, dermatitis and rashes. Um, people can get chronic shape changes from their veins, um, horrible colour changes, um, and even some small clots in their veins or phlebitis, which can be very painful and uncomfortable. And even in more severe cases, some of these veins can bleed or even cause an ulcer as time goes on. So yes, the vast majority of veins are, are cosmetic and you know, fixing them is, a, is perfectly um, justifiable and, and not vain, to, to pass the pun. But um, unfortunately, there is a risk of veins as time goes on deteriorating into more, you know, into more sinister things. And for most people, treating them um, in an early stage is the right thing to do. So they can be quite painful. Yeah, they can. So you know, um, you know, a lot of patients come in complaining of just, oh, there's three or four veins to my leg that, that I don't like very much. But when you start talking to them, sitting them down, they 
they have um, a lot of the other symptoms. Yeah, my leg by the end of the day is heavy and tired. Um, I'm restless. I can't sleep at night. Yeah, I'm really swollen during summer. And a lot of these things, um, which people assume are just their legs, as as you know, the years pass, are, are normal things. Are actually associated with their veins. And a lot of simple treatments can actually you know give people a new pair of legs and really yeah. you know, change their lives. So what causes varicose veins? Because some of us get them and some of us may not. Yeah, so it's all about pressure, uh, basically. So um, in the legs, um, there's two types of veins. The big bulky, deep veins, which are the, the main draining veins in the legs. And they're the ones that get DVTs and clots and things like that. Um, uh, problems with those are relatively rare. Uh, the skin's drained by two veins. Uh, one's called the long saphenous, which runs from the ankle up in the inside of the leg to the groin. And there's one called the short saphenous that runs from the, the back of the Achilles to the back of the knee. Now, there's no pump in the feet, um, like there's no heart in the, in the foot pushing blood up. So these veins work by muscles, uh, squishing the veins when you walk, roll over in bed, cough, um, and uh, the blood squirts up and the little tiny valves close and move the blood out of the legs. Unfortunately, with the passing of time, as you get a bit, bit, bit older, these vein valves wear out. Uh, family history has a role. About 50% uh, of people who have a strong family history unfortunately get veins. Um, being female has a slightly, slightly higher risk. Um, but basically, as time passes and, and wear and tear takes place, these valves stop working and the blood pulls down into the, into the lower leg, uh, calf and ankle. Normally, the pressure in these veins is really low. Um, uh, if you think about your blood pressure, you know, in most people it's 120 or 140. Um, the pressure in these veins normally is about five, but when there's blood pools down there, there can be up to a 20 or 30 fold increase in pressure in these veins. So you can get pressures up to about 100, um, so almost um, the same pressure as your arteries. And your know, veins that can't cope with this, so the small skin veins pop out and become varicose veins. Um, and as time goes on, um, these veins get leaky and that leakiness allows fluid to, to, to ooze out into your, into your soft tissues and that can cause the swelling, the pain, the restlessness and starts causing the more nasty things where you start getting inflammatory changes and can lead to things like the shape changes, the dermatitis, um, the ulcers, the nasty things that you don't want. So it's all about the pressure and basically it's all about the, the, the valves in the veins you know, wearing out. So is it, is, does ageing have a little bit of a factor? Yeah, um, age has a role. Um, uh, you know, essentially veins are more common as you get older, um, as these things wear, wear out. Um, you know, in my patients, I think the average age is in, the, in their mid-40s, but we've treated anybody from, you know, 15 up into the 90s. Um, you know, again, family history has a role. So the more people in your family that has have veins, um, you're more likely to, to have them. Um, but um, essentially, no, you know, we see patients in their 20s and 30s. We see, you know, young mums after their kids who've had their veins. And we see uh, people um, as they get older, uh, post-retirement, wanting new legs. Um, and also the more older people um, who develop these more severe um, complications. So, um, you know, uh, we see more of the nasty things as you get older. But unfortunately, veins affect um, all ages. So let's debunk some more myths that we've probably heard. Um, I've heard of this one. Does crossing your legs cause varicose veins? Uh, no, it doesn't. That's a really common one. Um, it, it doesn't. Uh, tight so pants. don't feel guilty? No, cross away. Um, tight pants don't do it. Uh, high heels don't, don't do it. Um, essentially, as I talked about a second ago, it's not um, the pressure from outside the veins that cause varicose veins. It's, it's the pressure inside the veins. So, no, um, you can cross your legs to as you please. Fantastic. What about, do only really women get varicose veins yeah. problems? Yeah, so um, 
uh, the answer is no. Um, you know, about a quarter of women uh, in their life will develop some visible um, varicose veins. Um, you know, men, the, the, the reports are variable, somewhere between 10 and 15, but some reports say even a little bit higher. I think the big difference is I see more women uh, in my practice, and that's, I think that's because uh, more women seek treatment um, uh, for them, um, whether it be for the cosmetic concerns or otherwise. Uh, a lot of men that I see um, have their arms twisted by their, their wives to come in or their partners. Is that because they're suffering a lot of pain in um, silence? or Often be? because in a lot of guys, um, they present with very big veins because they've just basically thought it was just a cosmetic issue and, 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 um, uh, and not had them treated. Again, a lot of guys come back uh, after their veins have been fixed and say, you know, my legs just feel so much better afterwards. So um, just to reinforce it, in a lot of people, it's not just purely a, a cosmetic problem. Um, but um, uh, you know, men uh, often present a little bit later than, than, than females do. If you got them treated, will it just come back in time? Do you think some people think that and, and that's, you know, is that actually true? Um, well, a lot of people think that and that it's one of the barriers of treatment because people you know, often hear, uh, heard horror stories of 20 or 30 years ago and, you know, mum's veins have come back um, and, you know, don't seek treatment for that. In the past, yes, 20 or 30 years ago, um, you know, veins had a higher recurrence. Uh, these days, the risk of recurrence is really small. Um, uh, you know, the, the chance of needing, you know, significant retreatment um, uh, in, in, with modern therapy is, is very, very low. Um, we see um, uh, recurrent veins basically in veins that, that are, were working when we treated their veins you know, at the first instance, um, becoming uh, incompetent or failing later on. So they're new veins that have played up. Um, spider veins, which are the small little superficial, little spindly veins that we see, they can come back, back when they want to. Um, uh, and they're purely a cosmetic issue and spider veins are a bit of a different issue. They can come back a bit more co commonly, but the big bulky blue ones that people commonly think is varicose veins um, with modern treatment don't come back. There's a few reasons for that. These days, the treatment is based upon ultrasound. In the old days, um, you know, people used to, before my time, used to just uh, have a, a good guess and treat their veins. Um, these days, everything is targeted by ultrasound, so we know what we're treating and the results are very robust. Um, these days, most treatments are done by um, you know, specialist doctors like myself as a vascular surgeon um, with you know, uh, many years of specialist um, training in arteries and veins. That's all we treat. Um, you know, we, we don't offer just one treatment. Um, there's multiple options available. Um, the treatment is tailored to the patient. Um, you know, it's not the old square peg, round hole solution. Um, we treat patients individually. Um, and I think the key is also that you're uh, seeing an appropriate you know, specialist um, vein um, or vascular expert means not being treated by somebody with, with just a you know, passing interest. You're not being seen uh, by a general surgeon like in the old days, mm. um, not being seen by a radiologist or not being seen by a GP with an interest. You're being seen by somebody with a, you know, with a, um, uh, an appropriate degree and appropriate training um, and a, a specialist qualification um, mm. purely in, you know, in, in vascular management, which means your outcomes are, are always going to be better. And I think what the important point in that as well is that if you're seeing a vascular surgeon, someone like yourself, you're being, you know, provided options and, and all of those options because you can do all those options indeed, indeed. rather than if you see someone where it's a passing interest, they, they can't offer you... Uh, they can't offer you the, the, the range of therapies and, and procedures that you can. Indeed. Treating veins is, you know, is people come to the office and think um, treating veins is really simple and often it's e easier to talk to a patient with a very complicated, you know, life-threatening 
problem than varicose veins because the options are so broad. Um, and um, with modern therapies, um, there's lots of different options. And uh, as a vascular surgeon, we can uh, off, you know, offer a uh, you know, range of treatments from um, doing nothing. You know, sometimes the veins don't need treatment, and mm. you know um, we can choose to inform the patient and say at this stage. I think your veins are great. They're, they're small. Reassure them. Your leg's not going to fall off. You're not going to get DVT. Don't worry about it. Uh, to the point that then we can also target uh, more appropriate therapies, which may um, include you know keyhole solutions, uh, which um, we, we may touch on later on. Mm. Um, it may include um, surgical solutions, which are less commonly used these days, but still an option, which um, you know GPs and um, other people can't offer. Um, and also the more uh, uh, specialised um, techniques, keyhole techniques, Techniques to treat veins and bellies and whatnot, um, which contribute to veins um, that other people can't treat. So it's really a holistic service that you know, only a specialist, um, a vein and, and a vascular specialist can provide. Right. How does the belly actually contribute to varicose veins? Oh, you just said that, and then yeah. I thought, well, how does that? So um, how is it all connected? Yeah. Oh, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a uh, sub branch. So some the pressure in people's legs causes varicose veins, and some people it's just caused by the veins and their legs playing up. In a proportion of people, um, the veins and the belly can play up. Um, and um, it's, uh, again, classically in people with, with kids, but not always. And this is more oh, a female right. problem than, than, than a male problem. Um, and you can get something called a pelvic congestion or a hypertension syndrome, where you actually get varicose veins forming in the belly. Wow. Which is, um, you know, Would you see them? Uh, no, you don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't commonly see those ones. It's commonly associated with one of the, one of the veins in the belly not working well, oh. uh, again with the same process of the valves playing up. Um, and sometimes there can be a few other unusual, rare associations with it. Um, but it, it's a really interesting um, uh, problem because it can cause, uh, you know, add to leg veins playing up, um, so varicose veins, but also the more sinister heaviness and tiredness and those nasty things, but also um, causes a syndrome where people can get, you know, significant um, pelvic pain, uh, pelvic pain, dragging, bloating, really nasty symptoms of um, irritable bowel sim symptoms um, and weird veins and weird places like vulval veins and nasty hemorrhoids. So um, there was an article in the BBC about a fortnight ago about um, you know uh, about this pelvic congestion syndrome and um, you know there's unfortunately a lot of younger women have had years and years and years of chronic pelvic pain and they've gone through the rigmarole of seeing gynaecologists and being diagnosed with possible endometriosis and um, had colonoscopies and multiple investigations and had chronic chronic pelvic pain and the proportion of those patients actually have a pelvic congestion syndrome um, caused by veins in the belly playing up. And um, It's another reason why seeing a vascular yeah, surgeon indeed, is a wise and, idea, indeed, I think. And <laughs> it's not widely appreciated by a lot of people. Um, it's uh, slowly um, coming into the fore uh, amongst gynaecologists and, and other people who um, whose focus rightly has been on endometriosis because that's often underdiagnosed as well. Um, but it's something that is extremely easy to treat um, with amazing outcomes um, and you can really change people's lives. So again, as you said, um, you know, you just need to think outside the box with some patients and uh, the, the legs are a possible cause, um, but you can't treat, you know, if your only uh, solution is a hammer, you see everything as a nail. Um, but again, seeing a, a vascular expert means that you can really, you know, target and provide a bespoke targeted um, cure yeah. to patients' veins. And it's all about getting that diagnosis right, isn't it? Because yep. it, what follows in terms of what's being offered in terms of therapy and treatment, it's... 
Yeah, yeah. And, and people focus on just making the veins go away, but there's there's a, there's a lot more to it. It's not just about the cosmetic side of things, which is really important, and we strive mm-hmm. for a really lovely result, uh, which we do in most patients. Um, but it's also thinking outside of the box and making sure we treat the underlying cause yeah. um, and um, thinking about other, other problems as well. And then what about exercising in varicose veins? Does, yeah. does one do, Maybe I'm starting to think, do we hope that exercise causes varicose veins so we don't have to exercise <laughs> to prevent varicose veins? Or do, is there a correlation there? Well, I try and find every excuse not to go to the gym. But unfortunately, <laughs> uh, veins aren't one of them. No, um, exercising actually decreases your risk. By The more you, you exercise, the more the muscles pump those veins, the more the blood moves around, you know, generally improves your, your circulation, your general health and your, and your vein health so unfortunately it's not an excuse to avoid going to the gym so it's a good thing for our veins it is indeed (laughs) and then should we wait until we've had our children before we seek treatment i bet you get asked that quite often it's unfortunately um you know amongst the medical community it's still a really commonly um uh accepted myth which is actually completely wrong um you know veins do get worse during pregnancies and that's because uh, oh Two reasons, mainly um, your, your, your general blood volume increases um, during the pregnancy and also you've got a big lump in your belly that's yeah. pushing on the big veins mm-hmm. in your belly, so the pressure in the veins dilates. Uh, but most people, most of those veins go away um, you know, after the pregnancy. Um, which is a good thing. Sometimes you know, the the, um, you know, the veins hang around, but most people, they, they improve. Um, the, the problem with uh, pregnancy in, in veins is if you have you know, large veins before you become pregnant, you are at increased risks of um, those veins causing problems during the pregnancy, um, you know, normally in the third trimester and you know, after delivery. The problem, um, if you have these problems, it's commonly heavy, swollen, aching legs, even clots in the in those veins, um, which can you know be a, a quite nasty thing to have, very painful. And do you think often women go, oh, it's just a part of being pregnant? Yep, indeed, indeed. And I think um, you know these days it's generally accepted um, that you know, we should treat veins um, in, in people you know uh, when they. Uh, when they're there, particularly big veins, and treating before pregnancy um, can significantly reduce these risk of these nasty complications taking place, particularly as if they happen during pregnancy, there's not a lot we can do about them until afterwards. So mm. uh, apart from wearing some stockings, um, you're forced to grin and bear them. So they're generally accepted um, um, paradigm these days is we, we, we recommend fixing veins beforehand and the risk of recurrence after pregnancy with modern technique which are really durable are really low so there's no reason not to have your veins fixed before pregnancy um, and oh, good um, to know. Um, you know the, the, there's much more benefit of having them fixed than not. Okay and then what about can you always see veins even after having a treatment? Um, well veins are, you know, veins are, are funny some people present with you know very large veins and um, you know just Otherwise, their legs are great, and you know they're the classical ones. So there's the big, lumpy blue veins. We always think about varicose mm. veins, um, the spiral veins I talked about beforehand. This, you know, cosmetically they're probably more um, unsightly. They're those spidery, thin, small things that uh, you know, from a cosmetic point of view, are, are quite um, unsightly. Um, but people can get, you know, these symptoms of heavy legs, tired legs, restless legs. Um, the swollen legs and you look at their legs and there's nothing to see um, but when you do the ultrasound scans um, these patients have um, all uh, the features of the veins not working so the, the draining veins are all, have all failed the valves have all failed um, but in those people instead of having the varicose vein 
it's becoming obvious they've got all the secondary complications. So um, you don't need to have obvious varicose veins to have you know bad veins, if that makes sense. Um, so you know, a lot of people I see um, come in with swollen legs, you know, painful legs, aching legs, can't sleep at night. You look at their legs and they look reasonably normal, um, but then you do their scans and all the major draining veins that are playing up, and by treating their their varicose vein causes, um, you actually get them um, out of their mischief. That's so interesting because mm. restless legs is very common, isn't it? It is, and, and you know, restless leg syndrome is a separate entity. You know, mm. it does, does exist, um, but um, you know, people that complain of really aching, heavy legs at, at night time, mm. particularly after a long day on their feet, um, you know, a proportion of those are caused by the veins. So um, again, it comes back to people that think that you know veins are purely cosmetic. They're not. Um, you know, you know, if you work in a busy job on your feet all day, you come home, you don't sleep very well. Um, you know, it, it's, it can be quite disabling, and um, you know, so veins by themselves are, uh, you know, are not as benign as people think they are. Yeah. And people blame their legs not being twenty-year-old legs; they're sixty-year-old legs. Uh, blame arthritis and all those other things, and you know, and in some cases it can be, but in a lot of cases it's not. You know, it's you know, we still see a lot of veins in you know the school teachers, the hairdressers, nurses, um, that type of group of people. But um, you know, occupation, um, you know, it can happen to people who are sit at a desk all day and work as well. So um, it's um, it's it can affect all people. And again, yeah. it's wear and tear, family history, all those things have a role. What about um, things like massage, medicate? We might be walking into the chemist and seeing all these fabulous sort of. Uh, you know, um, perhaps over-the-counter treatments that are going to, you know, solve all our problems with all these restless legs or uh, varicose veins. Suddenly we're going to um, put on a special cream and it's going to make them disappear. Do any of these things not work? Re- no. The answer, in, in short, no. Massage can make your legs feel better just because it's, you know, it's a massage. Um, you know, it's a temporary fix. It's not, it's not a cure for veins. Most of the over-the-counter medications and preparations um, don't work. Um, the circulation boosters don't you know don't work. They're you very know those expensive. Things that yeah, the shaking paddy type things. Some people make the make feel about their legs better, which is great. Uh, if it works and your legs feel better, wonderful. Um, but it's it's not a cure. Um, you know the creams and things you know don't don't tend to work. Um, the only thing that's been shown to have one bit of benefit is a, a weird thing. It's called horse chestnut seed extract. Oh. Um, it's not. Uh, it's a it's a um, alternate medication from health food shops oh, and right. it's the only thing that's been shown in trials and it's been published in the lancet which is the, the biggest medical journal in the world um to show that it actually could make legs feel a little bit better in, in some people mm-hmm. um so yes there is one thing but the, but generally most of the vein creams and tablets and whatnot don't make a big difference um you know uh, uh, Diuretics like fruzamide or the water tablets don't make a big difference as well. Um, uh, often people are started on those for their swollen legs, um, but if it is, these are the veins playing up, it's not a cure. So really, um, you know, beyond treating the cause, there's no sim- simple solution. So what are the treatment options that are currently available to us to treat our veins? So, um, you know, you know, for some people with some you know, very small um, cosmetic veins um, who are you know concerned about you know, um, you know what's going to happen, concerned about nasty complications, you know, um, sometimes they need some reassurance. Um, you know, if they're not too bothered by the cosmetic outcome, you know, I, I'm happy to tell people that if you're worried by the cosmetic uh, appearance, we can fix them. But the small 
don't worry, um, you know, as they develop in the future, we can address them, you know, later on. Um, so sometimes for some people, um, just reassurance and education uh, is really important. Um, but for people with more prominent veins and, and either, you know, large cosmetic veins um, or, you know, some of those more sinister symptoms, then, then treatment is really important. Um, uh, the key really is, is an accurate ultrasound because everything's based upon that ultrasound. Uh, in my practice, we scan in-house with um, uh, uh, sonographers or people that do the ultrasounds for me that are really reliable and uh, experts in what they do. Um, and then based upon that, we can and target treatment. So some veins that we see, some of the spider veins, some of the varicose veins, are just veins that have no source. They're just we call isolated skin veins. Mm -hmm. They just arise from nowhere, and they're the easiest ones to treat. They just need some injection therapy or sclerotherapy. That's a, in most people, it's a 20-minute procedure done in the office, walk in, walk out. Um, do you have to wear those special stockings? You do have to wear the stockings, which are the only downside, really. They're tight, they're firm, um, they're not the nicest thing to wear. For but, very long? Or? Um, depending on the size of your veins, but anywhere from a week to two, um, mm -hmm. depending on what we do. Um, and uh, the result from sclerotherapy is really nice. It's you back to work the next day, um, and you know for some people that, that's a, that's that's all they need, which is great. Um, for some of the spider veins, um, which you know people get more fussed by by their cosmetic appearance. Um, in, in my practice, we offer topical laser. Um, you know, it, it's very similar um, to having. Um, uh, IPL or hair removal type laser, mm -hmm. a different machine, um, and that's a treatment that we see an amazing improvement in 70 to 90 percent of spider veins uh, without stockings. Again, walk in, walk out. Oh, without or with stockings? Without stockings. Oh, so, right. yeah, that's a, it's a great um, adjunct. Um, we got our laser about a year ago because we were. Um, sick of seeing spider veins that were you know, too small to inject. Um, mm. But now with, our vein, with this, this laser treatment, uh, which is just you know, topical, no, no needles, nothing breaks the skin. Um, it's just like having hair removal done, uh, but it's an, it's an amazing result in treating veins. So uh, we do a lot of that now for, for, for spider veins that bother people. Um, Especially if you don't have to wear the stockings, oh, or you can be back at work. Again, and and it's, for a small, it's for, for a small group of patients with those cosmetic spider veins. Um, but, you know, again, um, for a lot of people, you know, um, once we've got rid of all their, you know, their big veins, you know, the spider veins become a focus and they're happy to get those treated. Um, you know, there's a whole range, you know, the treatment of veins is really revolutionised because for a long time it was all about, you know, varicose vein surgery and people were, you know, had heard Is that the stripping they used yeah, to refer so to it as? The old, yeah, the old-fashioned stripping um, and technically it still, it still exists and we still do it in, in a proportion of patients. Um, it uh, you know people have heard the horror stories of their of their of their mums and dads having it, um, but these days we tend to treat the majority of veins with more minimally invasive um, keyhole techniques, and a lot of those are done in the rooms. Um, I actually did you know I think four patients this afternoon um, in the office, and they all walk in and walk out and have their have their veins fixed. Um, there's a few versions of that. Um, there. Um, there is um, either uh, laser treatment for the veins, and this is not laser through the skin, but it's laser inside the vein. Um, there's a, a version called radiofrequency um, ablation, um, which is the same technique as laser therapy. Uh, people think laser is really exciting, um, but laser and radiofrequency are the same technique, just using a, a different technique. Instead of pulling the vein out, it actually uses heat to seal the veins. So it's cauterized shut. Um, there's some glue techniques that again are a keyhole technique, uh, and these are all you know literally you know you know 
the, the term people can use or have used, it's not my favourite, but it's lunchtime banes. Mm-hmm. You come in uh, an hour later, you're, you're on your way home um, and you're you know, back to work the next day or, or the day after that. So it's all done through tiny little one or two millimetre nicks um, with amazing results, amazing durability. And, and what about the glue that you just talked about? Yeah, is that glue- bad for us? No, the glue technique um, is used um, um, quite a lot. Um, I tend to prefer to use a thermal technique, so the laser or the, the, the radio frequency, but some patients the glue technique is the best option. Um, it's, it's not um, a straightforward um, Bunnings glue, it's very expensive medical glue um, and basically seals the vein, vein shut as well. Uh, for some people it's the right choice, um, but again all these techniques, basically you walk into the office, you walk out of the office, you're back to work the next day um, and the results are, you know, as are amazing. Surgery is still used in a proportion of patients. Um, uh, there's a few reasons for it. Um, sometimes um, the anatomy is only suitable to surgery. Um, and again, that's important to having a really accurate ultrasound. Um, some people um, we choose to have the surgery over the keyhole techniques because they're not keen on the idea of being um, awake. Um, the keyhole techniques are amazing. You know, we, we do it under local anaesthetic um, and um, it's, you know, it's not painful, it's not painless. The analogy I give to patients is like going to the dentist. Um, mm-hmm. So it's really, really good. Uh, but some people don't like the idea of being awake for their veins and prefer to have an operation. Uh, modern operations are very different to the, the old school um, stripping operations. Um, you know, most patients are back to work in three or four to five days. Um, yes, it's an operation with a general anaesthetic involved, um, but the, um, the outcomes are very, very good. Um, and most people um, do really, really, really well. Um, uh, one person in 20 um, is a bit more achy and a bit sore than the average, but 95% of people fly through it and have really you know, pleasing results. Um, so um, even though we, um, you know, we don't do as much surgery as we used to, um, it's still something that we have available to us. And unfortunately, or fortunately, uh, for some patients, it's the best option for them. Uh, and that, again, is one of the benefits of seeing a, a vascular specialist like myself. Um, we can target the right thing for the right patient. I was about to say, it sounds like there's a real variety of different therapies now available, and it's all about getting that imaging, getting someone like yourself to make that accurate diagnosis because you'll get a tailored Indeed. therapy that, you know, yeah. through discussion you have a chat about what's going to work for that person and what's going to work for their particular vein. Very much. I think a lot of people who I see have been through the, the, the mill or, uh, or gone round, round and round circles of having multiple therapies in the past, multiple treatments in the past. I was about to say, and also multiple imaging done, yep. you know, yep. multiple um, places. Yep, indeed. And not all sound the same. So I would personally, I, I, I um, unfortunately have to repeat imaging in, a, in about 20% of cases where it doesn't make so sense. So sometimes it might be worth, you know, holding off on the imaging until you've actually yeah, seen I, I agree. the specialist. Completely, I agree. Um, we bulk with our imaging in-house, so, you know, it's you're getting high-quality vascular imaging for you know, for, for nothing, for, well, for a bulk little fee. So yeah. um, it's, for some patients, it's, it's also time-consuming and things like that. So I suppose you're reading and looking at the images yourself of your Indeed. clients. So that Indeed. can make a big difference. Indeed. And, you know, we just purely scan, uh, do vascular ultrasound. So, again, um, it's you're not getting a jack of all trades. I'm not saying they're, they're, they're wrong, but in terms of quality, I think you, you're better um, having scans done by somebody that just does, you know, vein vascular scans. Um, you're right in terms of you know um, in having um, having a uh, a range of options, and that's something that um, people with an interest can't provide. Um, and you know, I think you can't just treat everybody the same way. Um, your patients often come in with 
in multiple sessions of sclerotherapy that haven't worked. It's been very expensive for them. And for a lot of people who've had session after session of sclerotherapy, um, maybe without an ultrasound, uh, when the major veins aren't working, and in those patients, sclerotherapy is a complete waste of time. Yeah. Um, and they need something like the... And they've lay- already spent the money. That's spe- the thing. And they've, and they've, and they've spent know. a fortune. Yeah. Because um, um, that's not cheap either. Indeed. And, <laughs> you know, they actually need surgery uh, or they need laser microwaves or the glue techniques and maybe some sclerotherapy afterwards. And the sclerotherapy, uh, we often do it in a lot of people as a primary treatment for those isolated veins I talked about beforehand. But a lot of people, we actually use it as a, as a touch-up. So um, we use it as a last stage treatment to get them the, the best cosmetic um, outcome as well. So I think um, patients are often surprised that there's so many options available to them. And I think one of the benefits of seeing a vascular specialist is that we can provide a, a bespoke targeted solution that will work for that patient because every single patient is different. And also you could probably get a bit overwhelmed if you start doing your research and seeing all these different therapies, but sometimes it could make a big difference just having a chat to someone like yourself that talks you through ah oh, what's you know because how do you choose what the best treatment is for people indeed and and for a lot of people it's flipping a coin yeah. um you know um it's you know there's some people that have a, a best a best or a better option but for a lot of people uh, it comes down to pros and cons and i think uh, like you said having a you know a straightforward honest discussion about benefits and, and outcomes and again some people um get or hear that you know surgical solutions are really nasty and horrible and they're not um sometimes they are the best solution for you um and some people you know on the flip side can be a little bit concerned by having a their veins treated in the office under local anesthetic and sometimes you know being reassuring them about that is is useful as well so i think um acknowledging that every patient is different um having a you know a targeted approach a patient-specific approach and having more than one option Mm. um and, and it's in those patients that have really had um, being offered only one option by people that we often have really poor results. So I think that's why treating veins um, has a bit of a bad reputation and that's why that, that myth about veins will always come back is often because veins weren't treated properly in the first place. In the first place, yeah. And then what are some of the main reasons why people don't have their veins, do you think, treated? Um, for a lot of people, they think they're cosmetic and you know, having their veins treated is silly or they think it's, you know, they're, being, they're being vain about their veins. Um, yeah, and again, you know, as we talked about, it's that spectrum disease. Absolutely not. You know, treating treating veins is really durable, robust. Recurrence rates are really low. So all, all those myths people are concerned concerned by. I mean, when you debunk those myths, um, people aren't too concerned. People worry about cost, um, and um, um, you know, and you know, there are costs for some vein treatments, but a lot of vein treatments are um, covered by you know, private health insurance uh, or um, are, you know, I'm a no-gap provider, um, so often some treatments have you know, no out-of-pocket costs at all. Um, and other treatments um, are very you know, cost-effective um, and um, with Medicare rebates and whatnot are very affordable. Um, so cost really is not um, a, a significant issue. Object. Yeah. Know, it's a bigger issue as what perhaps uh, once they actually start getting some facts, then it's Indeed. not as big a, a concern for them as what it is. Indeed, what it, and having your veins fixed properly once means that there's not that ongoing cost of having you know six monthly injections like people do um, if their veins aren't fixed in the first place. Um, you know, a lot of other treatment centres that just do veins, that's all they do. Um, other, other vascular specialists who do other things, veins are, are, are part of our bread and butter uh, uh, treatment, but we also do other things. So um, there isn't that cost imperative to you know 
you know, charge large gaps because, you know, having good results for our patients is our focus. Um, and, um, you know, the costs are much more um, acceptable. And like I said, for lots of treatments, you know, our ultrasounds are bulk build. Um, surgery for me is completely completely covered. The um, the more minimally invasive techniques are not fully covered by health funds, um, but there are um, quite generous um, Medicare rebates for them. Um, and there are some costs, but compared to, um, you know, cosmetic... Uh, are slightly veins and pain and, and suffering and the potential for deterioration to those more sinister problems, the cost is really uh, you know, relatively small um, and very manageable. And I suppose what it worries me is that there could be, um, there could be sort of underlying conditions that could be picked up by a vascular surgeon, you know, someone like yourself, that maybe it's so worth investigating, you know? Yeah, I think a lot of people, like I said before, they come in, you know, with their cosmetic veins and then when you sit down and, and look at them, they've got um, the aches, the pains, the swelling, they've got skin staining, which is one of those nasty signs of more advanced vein disease. And, you know, they, they come in with, um, you know, they've, they've come in with, under-treated veins or not treated veins beforehand, and by treating the veins appropriately, you can really prevent them having a further deterioration and a better long-term quality of life. So um, I, I, I can't um, reinforce the fact that uh, veins are just not cosmetic, and, and you know, for a, for a proportion of patients, they are, but for a lot of patients, um, you know, we can improve the quality of life for them as well. Especially if the pains cause people to not do certain things like exercise and then especially if you can take that pain away um, and they start exercising and having a healthy lifestyle. Yeah, it's just, you know, and often the pain is, a, is that niggling ache, you know, mm. heaviness, the tiredness, the restlessness um, and, you know, it's, it's surprising what, you know, um, uh, a, 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 a you know, revolution to one's life can be by just improving the quality of life. Yeah. So there's been some, you know, discussion around pelvic congestion and, and hypertension syndrome in the community. What what exactly is that? Yeah, we touched on that beforehand. Yeah. Um, I've got a bit of an interest in, in this. It's um, something that has kind of been ignored for, for a very, very long time. Um, and um, essentially... Um, uh, as we talked about having high pressure in the, in the veins in the legs, from from veins playing up in the legs, you can similarly get high pressure in, in the veins in the pelvis, um, and um, that can cause um, pelvic symptoms or belly belly symptoms, but it also can add to, to, to the leg symptoms as well. It's something that's not widely appreciated um, or thought of outside a, a vascular. Because we would have thought, we probably have heard it from our GP about hypertension. For blood pressure. For yes, blood so, pressure. So hypertension means high pressure. So um, in classically, we think hypertension is, is our, you know, when the GP puts a cuff around our mm. arm and measures our blood pressure. Um, in this context, it talks about um, the pressure of the veins being high. Um, and I think the word congestion is, is, a, is a better word because essentially what it means is these veins in the pelvis become dilated and congested um, and um, it can cause a whole range of symptoms. So, um, and, and often it's people that have had chronic belly pain, um, uh, often, you know, uh, around their cycles, so in females predominantly we're talking about, get um, significant pelvic and lower abdo, abdo pain, they get a sensation of fullness or, or, or bloating, dragging, um, some people get some stress incontinence. Um, it can mimic you know, endometriosis in some patients. Um, and, um, you know, um, for me, uh, a lot of people that 
describe um, irritable bowel type symptoms. Mm -hmm. um, not saying that irritable bowel doesn't exist, but I think a, a significant proportion of irritable bowel is caused by um, you know, this congestion syndrome. And because it's, it's high pressure, it can cause, you know, increase pressure down the legs and, and contribute to um, the leg symptoms we're talking about. And sometimes it's a cause of the heaviness and tiredness and aching legs in the absence of veins and the legs playing up. So sometimes it's a, it's a separate cause by itself. Classically, it's caused by what's called an ovarian vein. So it's a vein that doesn't classically drain the the, uh, the ovary. It drains the pelvis. Mm. And just like the valves and the legs that play up, these valves play up and you get high pressure in the pelvis and it basically causes dilated veins that become inflamed and causes this inflammation. Um, in some people, it's caused by a narrowing of the major draining veins in the pelvis um, and that um, uh, causes poor drainage out of the legs, which can cause some pelvic symptoms and also can cause pain and leg swelling as well. So it's something that, again, without seeing a vascular specialist, is not, not thought of. Um, and um, a lot of people um, who have their veins treated still have ongoing symptoms of you know, the heaviness, the tiredness, the veins having early recurrence. And they're people that may have an underlying problem in the pelvis. Um, it's really easy to fix. It's a, if, we, if we do um, think it's there, it's basically a day case procedure. Uh, in Dunning Hospital, local anaesthetic um, and sedation, you're um, in hospital, procedure takes about 45 minutes, you're home four hours later with a one to two day recovery. Um, and have you treated a lot of... Oh, we, I've treated a large, large spectrum. I'm, I'm, uh, we're in the process of organising a, um, a, a new trial with a lot of gynaecologists in Perth, looking at um, this as a cause of a lot of pelvic pain in younger females. Classically, it's thought to be associated with having, having kids, but um, um, but we do see it in people without kids as well. Um, so, um, you know, I think I was having breakfast um, a couple of weeks ago, and I mentioned that the BBC article, and mm -hmm. the, the article was, um, uh, it just it caught my eye, because it was, you know, uh, um, you know, the headline of the uh, BBC News, and it was basically saying, um, that, uh, you know, this person had, had pelvic pain for 12 years, had all these tests done um, and eventually, um, at the last resort, had this, had this treated um, and in, you know, in an overnight she was better. So it's a real problem. Um, it contributes. And what symptoms would she have had? Yes, yeah, so again, it's all those pelvic symptoms of right. you know, pelvic pain, um, you know, heaviness, dragging, bloating type pains, the IBS type symptoms. Mm. Um, uh, people often get labelled as having endometriosis and not for a second am I saying that endometriosis isn't a significant problem in the community and a, and a real issue that's a, you know, a burden to lots of people. But a lot of people get labelled as having endometriosis without a diagnosis. Um, and, um, you know, compared to having, you know, laparoscopies or, mm. you know, belly operations and whatnot, um, having a little keyhole procedure through the groin uh, as, a, you know, as a day case procedure um, with very low risk can sometimes, you know, change people's lives. So how would you be diagnosing this condition? Is this via ultrasound? Yeah, or? so ultrasound is, is useful. Uh, in most people, it's just a, a belly ultrasound. In some people, um, it's a transvaginal ultrasound, which is um, a little bit less pleasant to have. Mm. Um, and a, a larger subset of my referrals are coming from gynaecologists that pick up, uh, who see these patients with pelvic pain, get referred by the GP thinking it's a, a gynae problem and have the, the these, these transvaginal ultrasounds and they find the big veins and 
and and get diagnosed and, and come to me in that in that way and, and it's an increasing referral base that is um, uh, uh, great for patients because it's makes a big difference. So um, what's the treatment then? Yeah, so it's, it's basically a, it's called a venogram. So they come to hospital under local anaesthetic and a little bit of sedation with a anaesthetist. Get a little tiny two millimeter nick in the groin, um, and we take some X-ray pictures using dye of all the veins in the belly. Um, in about ninety percent of people that we think have it, actually we do find it. Um, and we basically wiggle little wires into their pelvis and use little metal coils um, to block off the veins that aren't working. So in the belly, we can't um, laser um, uh, uh, laser or super glue those veins uh, or, or pull them out. Mm. Um, so we tend to use these little coils to block them off. So it has the same effect as treating the veins in the pelvis as we do treating the veins in the legs. Wow. Um, it's an amazing, minimally invasive procedure, back to work in a day or so, um, and um, has made, you know, Big differences in lots of people's lives. Really? So, so the symptoms really it can make a major impact in reducing those symptoms. Oh, absolutely. And some people it, it, it turns symptoms off um, overnight. Um, you know, I, I've seen lots of patients that have had these pelvic symptoms for you know 10, 10 years or their whole adult life, and you've had every test known to man, um, and um, uh, and probably know, gone on every diet. Every um, diet. You know, um, <laughs> told you know, they have to stop this. Been told they've got irritable bowel sy syndrome on you know FODMAP diets, and seen dietitians had colonoscopy, had their appendix taken out, um, and um, uh, it's you know. Sounds like I'm being overly zealous, but it's not. It's, 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 it it's, actually it's, it's, it's a very, it's yeah. almost a very repeatable process that, that you hear about. So um, it's something because I can imagine someone would go to one, you know, perhaps have been referred to one's, you know, specialty, and they they try that, and then they feel better for a certain period of time, and then maybe yeah. Often it's a, it's a it's a process of going through um, gastroenterologists, mm. gynaecologists, and um, you know, and, and a lot of these patients often have a mixed pathology. So yes, they do have ovarian cysts. Yes, they might have some endometriosis, which is treated, um, and but this this is an, uh, an additional component. So um, the problem with this diagnosis is that it can happen by itself and be mislabeled as all those things. But in some people, it can be uh, there in addition. Um, so it's it's a really underappreciated and undertreated pathology um, that can make a real difference in people's lives in a, in a really simple way. And then what do people, what do they find interesting to know about varicose veins that is not commonly known by us? Um, I think it's, uh, for a lot of people, I think it's the, 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 the keyhole fixes. And I think everybody knows about surgery, the old mm. stripping, and everybody knows about, um, you know, sclerotherapy or the injection therapy. But, um, you know, people, you know, don't know about all these other keyhole techniques. They don't know that we can fix veins in the office you know, with an equivalent result from, uh, or actually a better result than surgery in, in most cases. Because people uh, might be thinking, oh, I've got to take time off work. Yeah. Oh, How am I going to get my time off work? Yeah, no, for most people, uh, they're back to work the next day or the day after. If you're, you know, if you're a, you know, if you're a, um, if you're a, you know, like an office-based type worker, most people are back to work the next day. If you're a brickie, then it's, you know, normally a couple of days. Um, but for most people, the return to work is, is pretty quick. Um, the um, the you know these these solutions to veins you know people um, you may have heard about but I think are, are expensive and and unattainable but they're, but they're not I think also the the use of laser topical laser for the spider veins um, people think it's all about injection therapy but the results with the laser are really really good um, and I think that's the other thing that's um, resulted in amazing cosmetic cosmetic outcomes for people um, it's amazing having people come in and say oh, i hear about my you know aching sore tired legs and then i'm not worried about how they look uh, it's amazing 
that um, after we get a great result in terms of how their legs, legs feel, um, how people get really focused on their cosmetic outcomes, and we have really nice cosmetic outcomes yeah. as well. And when you when you feel better about yourself, then yeah, that's a good thing. Oh, it's Perth as well. You know, with summer coming up as well. Um, uh, you and know, can you get this procedure done any time of the year? Yeah, well, I think the other thing that's surprising is we often get very busy in December. People wanting their their legs out for summer. And I think the other thing to to, to reiterate is um, it's something that we it's, it doesn't happen overnight. Yes. Um, so even though a lot of the treatments are really straightforward and really easy for the best cosmetic outcome, we need a couple of months. Um, you know, there can be a bit of inflammation and some of the veins can take a little while to completely resolve to to the point that, that we like. So really, um, I think veins are made in um, autumn and winter. Um, um, you know, if, you, if you're expecting have, to have, um, you know, great legs, um, you know, if you see me on the you know, 10th of December, uh, we're not going to have you there for New Year's Eve. Um, yeah. But so I think, um, you know, ideally, uh, you know, earlier in the year is better but again if you're coming to me not about your you know bikini legs you come to see me about, about your legs are heavy and tired and achy then we, we we treat you you know all year round yeah. the stockings are, are a necessary evil people are worried they're hot and hot and uncomfortable but they're 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 hot and uncomfortable all year round so um you know, i think at the end of the day we treat both. and these are the ted stockings isn't no it? So no no what's, what's what do you so, use now yeah they're they're, they're um they're, there's a whole several different brands of stockings they're basically um, tighter than Ted's stockings. So oh, right. Ted's are the white stockings that you wear yes. in bed after hospitals to prevent clots forming. Um, the stockings that we use after veins are, um, are a bit thicker and a bit, oh, right. bit tighter. So um, they're very attractive with a belt. Um, Do they have to be customised? No, they're, they're, measured, they're measured per person. Um, but, and they're basically sized, um, uh, you know, the different sizes, lengths, um, but they're basically individually measured. Um, occasionally, you know, there's people that are outside that range of, of normal, but for 95% of people, they're basically an off-the-shelf uh, off the shelf thing. And varicose veins, can they cause DVT or put you at higher risk of DVTs? Um, a lot of people get scared into surgery or come scared about getting DVTs in, in with the... Even though we're not flying, but, I mean, can you get DVTs regardless of... Yeah, so veins themselves, are, are varicose veins are very unlikely to cause DVT. What we see in people with very large veins is something called phlebitis, where you get clots forming in the superficial skin veins. So it's not a DVT, it's in the veins under the skin. And that's because the vein, the flow through the veins is, isn't normal and they basically clag off. Um, it can be painful, it can be uncomfortable, um, it can get red and inflamed, and certainly it's a reason to have your veins treated. Um, so phlebitis itself is not a DVT. Uh, a very small proportion of those patients um, can progress to a DVT, uh, but varicose veins themselves in isolation don't impart a significant risk to um, a DVT. So um, they can cause clotting in these skin veins and there can be a very small association with DVT, but it's not a cause and effect. Um, having varicose veins um, is not a reason not to have a COVID jab, just to throw that in. Um, uh, there's no need to worry about, about yeah. COVID jabs um, and, and veins. Um, despite the, the history, you know, there's... It's good to clarify about. those things. Oh, you, people, you know, I think, sadly, some people, you know, there's probably a lot of uh, myths and out there and it's good to get some facts around Yeah, people, people um, have heard the the stories about clots and DVTs yeah. with, with particularly the AstraZeneca vaccine. Um, yes. That, yeah, that's not, that's not leg veins. It's belly and brain veins. So there's actually no association with the AstraZeneca vaccine and leg clots. 
Um, and um, it, it, with what I do, um, I get asked that on multiple occasions a day. Um, and, um, you know, again, it's part of the, the, the issues and, the, and some of the reluctance about uh, having your, your jabs um, is some of that misinformation. But um, DVTs, leg veins uh, and COVID, uh, COVID vaccinations uh, are not an issue. Just have your vaccine. Have your vaccine. You'll be safe. You'll be okay. Indeed. Oh, that's good. And then is there anything we can do to prevent varicose veins? Um, uh, apart from choosing your family, um, uh, there's not a huge amount. There's a few things you can do. Um, I guess the first thing is having, uh, you know, uh, looking after looking after yourself, um, having a healthy weight. Um, the, you know, uh, being a bit more overweight has a higher risk of forming um, varicose veins. So, you know, uh, looking after your, your weight's a great thing. Um, if you're in jobs where you're um, on your feet all day, every day, um, you know, wearing some compression stockings or hosiery um, can make a little bit of a difference. Um, you know, I think people like the hairdressers, the nurses, the teachers, um, um, uh, you know, that's something that can reduce the risk slightly. Um, if you're in a job that you sit down all day, every day, get up, go for a walk, um, get that muscle pump moving, get the blood going, it helps a lot as well. Um, and as we talked about exercise, um, you know, although people think exercise can cause veins, in fact, by getting the muscles pumping um, and keeping your, your um, circulation uh, healthy and your veins healthy, uh, that reduces your risk as well. What about diet? Yeah, diet, there's no real dietary association apart from having a healthy, uh, a healthy, healthy weight. So um, uh, um, there's multiple... Um, you know, diets and, and vein diets and all those things, but at the end of the day, um, it's all a bit of a myth again. Yeah. Then, you know, I appreciate we've asked, I've asked you lots of questions, but out of all the things we've talked about, some key messages we should remember about varicose veins, but also I think we've, you know, I think our discussion around pelvic congestion syndrome is really interesting yeah, as well. I agree. I think yeah, the take-home message, I think, is that um, whilst lots of veins are cosmetic, not all of them are cosmetic. And I think that um, if you're worried about your legs um, and you're worried about your veins, just see your GP as a, as a, as a primary port of call. Um, GPs are great um, and they can you know, help um, you know, work out if, the, if they think the veins are going on and they can make an appropriate referral to someone that they know um, um, is a, a great um, uh, vein specialist uh, close to you. Uh, whom they have a, a good relationship with. So I think um, it's realising that not all veins are cosmetic. Um, realising that yeah, fixing veins um, is relatively straightforward, but the key is having seeing the right person, having a quality ultrasound, and having a bespoke, targeted approach to fixing veins that, that's directed at you, just not you know a generic person. And I think, as you mentioned, the pelvic congestion, I think it's something that is slowly getting more awareness in, in the community. People think veins are a simple, benign problem. It can lead to a lot of problems and having them appropriately treated by the right people in the right way at the right time um, can uh, make a dramatic improvement in your quality of life, not just now, but in your, you know, in your later years as well. Yeah, I really appreciate you talking about pelvic congestion syndrome because it's through talking about... Um, and educating us about these conditions makes us more aware. Yeah, um, and it's something that probably over the last six months um, is finally being a, a bit more acknowledged um, in, by GPs and gynecologists. I'm not quite sure why, um, but it's something that is slowly getting a bit, bit more traction and, and a bit more awareness. Um, um, and I think you know, for, for a long time, um, these people with this, this chronic pelvic pain were just thought to have um, you know, an unspecified 
gynecological condition or with just chronic pain. Um, and I'm not saying everybody with, with pelvic pain has it, but I'm saying that in, in, a, in a significant proportion. But it, it, it is might there. be worth investigating, and yeah. In, in saying that, the investigations and treatments are low risk, easy, straightforward, um, and um, you know, if, if it's there, it's, the outcomes can be you know, life-changing. Wonderful. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you so much. A big thank you to Dr Panosh for taking the time to share his knowledge with us today on Meditalk and to learn more about Dr. Panosh, visit sjog.org.au or visit panoshvascular.com.au. If you feel this podcast episode can help a friend or a family member, please share as sharing knowledge empowers our lives and the lives of others. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please take a minute to write a quick review on Apple Podcasts. To listen to more episodes of Meditalk, visit meditalk.com.au and if you have any medical conditions you would like to learn more about, please send me an email via danae at meditalk.com.au. Stay well and thank you for listening.